0: (laughs) Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to the new episode of Stop Being the Best Kept Secret. I am your host, Dr. Tana M. Session, and I'm really excited for this episode. So as I promised in season three, I will be bringing on guests that will be able to share with you the work that they're doing, the impact that they're making, and even potentially how you can work with them. So that way you don't have to just hear my voice anymore. So I am really honored and pleased to have Monique Rose. All the way here from New Zealand, everyone. So we have gone international. Yes, that's how big Stop Being the Best Kept Secret is this, these days. So Monique, thank you for being here.
1: Tana, I'm so happy to be here with you.
0: Thank you so much. So Monique, you specialize in happiness. Okay, so- I know, how
1: cool is that?
0: I that's know. cool, right? It is cool. And when we were at the top of the pandemic way, way back in 2020- I took a happiness course through Yale University. And it was interesting to see how um, people think about happiness from a theoretical perspective, right? So, the university, Yale University, has an entire course. And this professor's course actually has a wait list. So, they were able to do it remotely um, during 2020. I think they still offer it. But I wanted to hear from you A, how did you get into this work? Uh, Are you really as happy as you're hoping everyone else is that you're working with, and what are some tips or tools or strategies that you can recommend for people as we're dealing with still COVID. um, Some people being hybrid or completely remote from the workforce, um, understanding that we now need to really start thinking about our own mental health and well being as it relates to showing up in the workplace. So dive right in wherever you want to (laughs) start.
1: Love it. Great. I I probably, the question is, first of all, how on earth did I start getting into this area? It's a really, it's a, you know, it's kind of like, I feel like it's like the dream scenario being able to work on happiness and to have it as my job, because when I was younger, there's no doubt I wasn't one of the happy people, you know, like at the moment I'm home in New Zealand because of COVID. It's so wonderful being here, such a beautiful country, For those of you who know it, um, you might know it from The Lord of the Rings was filmed here. (laughs) You might know it from, oh, The Power of the Dog that's been nominated for all the Academy Awards was actually filmed just down the road from where I am. What else might you know from? The greatest sporting team in the world, the All Blacks. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, it's a great country. It's beautiful, stunning scenery. We have our wonderful, famous Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern as well that a lot of people know us for and you'll probably also know us because we have uh one of the best COVID results uh in the world and we've only just recently had COVID properly hit our shores so we have um I got to come home and have 15 months with no COVID um in the community which was really amazing to take that step back in time so there's all these wonderful things about New Zealand but at the same time As with anything, there's a sort of light and shadow to everything. And we have one of the highest rates of um, child abuse in the OECD. And unfortunately for me, I'm one of the statistics. So I was adopted into a family uh, where I would probably be fair to say that my mother was mentally ill. So it was was very, very difficult for me growing up in in that home. And I think probably by the time I was in my early teens, I think it will be fair to say that I was depressed. I would wake up in the morning and my emotions were all over the place and I never knew what the day was going to bring. And, you know, I could start the day great and go through, you know, about five or six different, you know, emotional states that were big as the day went on. And by the time I hit the age of 19, truly, I wasn't really coping. And so I found myself in hospital having tried to take my own life and it was A really sobering moment, as you can imagine. And it made me sit there and think why is it that some people seem to be able to handle life? And for others like me, it's so painful that I'm in this place where I just tried to take my own life. And I wanted to try and understand whether or not that was something that I could shift. And change or whether that was something that I was kind of stuck with. Maybe it was genetic. Maybe it was just the way things were. So I decided that what I was going to do was I was going to go and see if I could figure it out. And I traveled all over the world and I studied all sorts of different philosophies. I did all sorts of crazy things. Like I rode a motorbike through India for four years and I just explored everywhere that I could. Don't get me wrong. I was working at the same time as a professional musician. So I was doing this in conjunction with my work. But what I did was I went on this 25 year journey of discovery. Let me see, can I heal myself? Mm-hmm. And if it was, if that was possible, and I'm going to say to you, Tina, that the truth is, is that my life, you ask the question, am I as happy as you know, is maybe you would hope I would be, if I wasn't me, I think I would be jealous of myself. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> I live such a happy life. And it doesn't mean that difficulties don't arise. It doesn't mean that I don't have negative thoughts or negative emotions, or that stuff doesn't happen. Of course it does. I just relate to it all completely differently. And this is not, you know, this hasn't been luck or anything. This has really been working with myself and shifting things in myself. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm so passionate about it. And now, of course, this, this is what I teach. So I help lots and lots of other people be able to do uh, get similar results to me, which not, nothing, could actually make me happier. That's one of the things that makes us happy is helping other people.
0: No, I think that's fantastic. And, and thanks for walking me through your journey. And I can tell you, uh, the reason why I started stop being the best kept secret was because of some self healing I had to do, and I'd considered myself kind of a wallflower in a lot of ways where i wasn't showing up as my true authentic self and I had to I had to go through some healing so um, the components of stop being the best kept secret, which is a actual coaching program that I created, and then I did the podcast named after, and I wrote a book that has the title in it um but it's all about owning your power your truth your healing your worth and ultimately your destiny and part of that was healing through some abusive situations I have been in you know I'm also I wasn't adopted but I was in foster care from birth until almost four years old and I experienced molestation at a very young age Um, and then physical and verbal abuse you know by my birth mother when she finally came into my life so I absolutely understand that journey um, that you were on and the healing process, right? Which is not easy. And I think sometimes people look at probably you as the same way they look at me without understanding kind of the path we had to take to get to where we are. And not everything, like you said, is always perfect or shiny or beautiful or happy, Um, but looking for those little nuggets, right? Just finding those nuggets in each and every day, Um, So that you can celebrate and not, you know, kind of go backwards.
1: Mm, I I just want to start by saying, I'm so sorry that you went through that. And also to say how intriguing it is, is that so many of the people who have been through really difficult things come through the other side. So fascinating. And I think that it, if you can get to the other side, it gives such a color your life in a depth of empathy and understanding and sensitivity uh, that you wouldn't get otherwise. And I look at my life and think if I hadn't gone through these difficulties, I probably wouldn't have bothered working so hard on myself because there wouldn't have been the impetus or the drive to do it if everything had been great. Whereas actually I've able to live my best life and my best self because what happened and because it gave me that drive to want to heal myself and so in that way we can see that these things have the ability also to become our blessing if we choose to look at them that way
0: yes absolutely oh boy i feel like we're preaching to the choir here (laughs) (laughs) but you're, you're absolutely right and and like when i think about the the work that i do with individuals when they Um, do decide that, you know, they're ready to go through this process and and go through my coaching program. Um, A lot of it is about not only unpacking, um, you know, things that they've experienced in the past, but also just removing their own self-limiting beliefs about themselves as a result of that. And once they're able to do that, to be able to see how much the universe has been waiting to deliver for them. And I, I, I phrase it that way because I understand people have different religious beliefs, but I think, you know, I, I look at it as, you know, the universe has things out there waiting for us. We all were born with a certain uh gift. And and you know, sometimes things that happened to us in the past blocks those gifts from really blossoming. And once that you're able to move past that, Monique, and have those things happen in your life, I really tell people there's no looking back.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think I think it's also the understanding, Taina, that. You are in charge. And that is the most freeing statement I can say. And the most terrifying, because it's so easy for us to look at what's happened or what is happening even now and say, well, I can't be my best self because this happened to me or I can't be my best self because this pandemic is happening or I'm dating this person or whatever whatever it is. But when we start to understand that it's actually up to us, not the external circumstances that are the decider of our happiness or our suffering, we have not only an incredible freedom, but we also have the ability to realize I've got to stop blaming everybody else for what's happening to me. And if I take charge, I can actually free myself from what is going on, and I think that's one of the most powerful things that we can understand.
0: Uh, I can't agree with you more, and I, I think it definitely starts with self. and And one of the things I tell people is that sometimes you'll have to forgive people who will never ask for it, because it's not for them; it's for you. And you know, to your point, not blaming yourself. And I think sometimes that's part of the issue as well. We have to forgive ourselves too. Like, I know I did some things in my past that made me go down the wrong path or make bad decisions. And, you know, sometimes people will hold on to that and not feel that they're worthy or not feel that they deserve more or better or the best. And, and that to me, again, is another self-limiting belief, which ultimately will impact your happiness and even your mental well-being.
1: Yeah definitely.
0: So speaking of mental well-being, how would you apply this to people in the workforce, right? So over the last couple of years, more and more organizations have started talking more about mental well-being, and I'm Gen X, so it's a little, you know, it was a little uncomfortable for some of my fellow Gen Xers, and especially my boomers, uh, to have these dialogues and open spaces, and to be able to say, hey, I need a mental health day. Um, so they're, you know, starting to embrace this. And I've seen organizations even giving mental health days off and promoted it as a big part of their benefits plans. How do you um, or do you make the connection between the work that you do around learning how to be happy to ultimately your mental well-being?
1: Yeah, th- this is a great question and a big topic and one that I feel really strongly about, Tina, and that is this, is that being well at work is not about a mental wellness day. It's about a mental wellness lifestyle. You can't expect yourself to go through a working life where your work life and your personal life bleed into each other constantly and believe that at some point you are not going to suffer the consequences of that. And I think
0: Wait, really? wait, wait. let's pause (laughs) and let that breathe. Woo, that was deep. I got chills off of that one. Wow, I'm glad this is recorded because I need to share this with my clients. (laughs) Okay, go ahead.
1: (laughs) Well, I think that we we live in a world now where we don't understand the ramifications of the workday supposedly finishing, but never finishing, Mm -hmm. going to dinner and taking work calls being out with your family and friends and looking at emails notifications coming in on your phone consistently it's almost like tana this idea of the central nervous system not being able to ever completely settle down
0: because you have
1: to be on and ready on alert all the time a little bit like um Imagine, you know, I don't know how it works in the fire service now, but I'm all of a sudden seeing this image of, you know, the firemen when we were kids and you got those books and the firemen slept at the firehouse just in case there was, yeah. a, you know, in case there was a fire or maybe you're afraid someone's going to burgle your house and you never can sleep properly mm-hmm. because part of you has got your ear open listening to make sure that you're safe. That is what we are living at the moment. We are living in a world that has no boundaries because we have technology that is extraordinary and incredible and is helping us, but at the same time, it's completely destroying our mental wellness. And because we're doing it as a society, as a culture, we're not realizing it. What we're seeing is the stress, anxiety, and depression levels going through the roof, not just because of COVID. COVID. The World Health Organization said that by 2030, the, uh, the biggest health issue we were going to face worldwide would be um, depression, and that was before the pandemic, okay? So we're, we've been on this trajectory for quite some time. And if you look at the statistics, you can see the correlation between the first iPhone ending up in our hands and starting to see stress and anxiety levels starting to go through the roof. And the average age that's happening is 11 years old. Imagine that 11 years old. I was like worrying about what TV show I was going to (laughs) watch. I wasn't worried about stress and anxiety levels that were crippling. So what we do is we, we live in a world where, We don't ever get space that's truly for ourselves unless we carve it out. And what I mean by that is think about, okay, you're at a dinner party, right? It might be a distant memory for some of you. (laughs) You're You're at a dinner party. You're sitting at this dinner party and all of a sudden someone's phone goes off and they get up and they leave the table or they take the call at the table or you're out at dinner with a friend. And their kid's texting them or their husband's calling them or something. Well, what does it feel like? Mm-hmm. It feels like you are not as important as that person on the phone. Sure. That's the message that you get. And it's been shown that if you have a phone at a table, even if it's face down and on silent, the level of intimacy in your conversation will be seriously different from the level of intimacy, if there was no phone visible at all. So what we don't understand is that there are no boundaries. I can be at a dinner and people can be being interrupted all the time. Yeah. So we don't ever get the chance to be relaxed. I might go for a walk and I've got my phone on me and someone's texting, you know, it might not even be work. It might just be my friends. So one of the places we can practice this, but this is really important for the people who are the managers, who are running businesses or managing teams. One of the most important things is to allow your staff to have their life. So I have very, very strict rules with my team. They work they're working hours. And if they answer an email or listen to a voice message, because I can see their voice messages and when they've listened to them, if they listen outside of the hours that they're working, they're in such big trouble. <laughs> and they find they initially find this really like weird, weird. And kind of thing and sort of hilarious. And trust me, in no time at all, their gratitude for it is huge. I want them to come to work and I want them to give me everything when they're there. But when it's over, I need them to go and live their life. I need them to go and think of nothing to do with work, because I know that if I give them that, when they come back the next morning, they're going to be refreshed. They're going to be relaxed. They're going to be excited. They're going to be creative. They're going to be happy to be there because we create a boundary together around this is your life and this is your, your private life. One of my, one of my team came to me yesterday and said, I want to ask a favor. Can I take the day off in two weeks because it's my, my mother's 70th birthday. And I said, of course you can. And she wrote back to me and she said, you're the best. And I said, no, you're the best for asking because it's really important to me that you understand that, your mother's 70th birthday is really important and that you understand that it's more important than coming to work and we can handle it. We can, we can work things without you being here, as long as you tell me in advance. So I, so they're encouraged to ask for time off for things like that. It's important because I know if they're happier and they have those boundaries, They're going to do better work for me. And this is a real problem that we're facing because there's so much competition in the workplace. There's a whole badge of honor of, I work the longest hours and I'm up late at night answering emails and Mm -hmm. things like that, you know, to show that I'm the most devoted and dedicated to this company. Like when you die, who cares? (laughs) Really? Is that what's going to be important? Are you going to sit down and think you know, the thing I regret on my deathbed is that I didn't work harder for some corporation. Are you joking me? You're going to say, I wish I'd spent more time with my kids. I wish I'd spent more time doing the things that I love. I wish I'd spent more time with my family. That's what you're going to say.
0: Yes, you're so right. And I had um, a boss way back in the day that told me, The world, the the graveyard is full of indisposable employees. Don't be one of them. Because I was doing the same (laughs) thing. I was coming in early, staying late, not taking lunch, right? Like all of those things. And she saw this behavior where I thought, that's what I need to do to get ahead. You know, especially a person of color, we're told from very early on, you know, do twice as much to get half as much or yeah. twice as much to get recognized. You have to be better than your white counterparts. And so I had that in my DNA. Right. And that's how I was showing up. And, and this was a white woman that pulled me to the side and told me that. And I was just like a bell went off in my head.
1: <laughs> you know, some years ago I was, um, I got, uh, I got this brain idea of buying a motorbike and riding through India. And I'm a, a, in this place in the very, very far North of India in the Himalayas called Ladakh. And I was up there and I got pulled over by a cop and he pulls me over and he says to me, where's your helmet? So I'm in this little town. I was just kind of riding from one place to another, just a few minutes you know in between places mm-hmm. and nobody was wearing helmets you know that was the truth and I gotta be honest it felt so nice not to wear a helmet so he pulls me over and he says where's your helmet and I'm thinking oh this guy just wants you know he just wants money from me and I said to him I left it back at my guest house and he said to me um, okay well Uh, I'm going to fine you a thousand rupees, which is about $20. I'm going to fine you $20, a thousand rupees. And I, I need you to leave your bike here. And I want you to go back and get your helmet. And it was all a little bit of a hassle. And I kind of looked at him like, you know, come on, dude. And he said to me, why are you not wearing your helmet? And I directed him to the street. And I said, look nobody's wearing their helmet. Why are you pulling me over? Oh. And he, he looked at me and he said, and if they all drove off the cliff, would you go with them? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and in that moment, the penny dropped, I mean, it might seem obvious, but the penny dropped and I looked at him and I said, ah, oh, I can't thank you enough. You're so right. Anyway, he let me take my bike. I went back. He didn't I wasn't fined anymore. We just had this sweet moment. And I would see him for the next few months that I was living up there. I would, see, Whenever I saw him, I toot my horn and wave at him and let him see that I had my helmet on. But what it, what it brought to my mind was this. It might seem an absolutely stupid thing to be riding a motorbike without a helmet. Right. But when everyone else is doing it, it becomes very easy to normalize something. Mm -hmm. Mm. Even if in your brain, you go probably riding without a helmet isn't the smartest thing for me to be doing, right? So this is where for us to try and deal with a society where everybody is doing the same thing. And for us to turn around and go, I'm going to do something different is really hard. You know, it's really hard to walk into a space and go, I'm going to have dinner and I'm going to put my phone in my bag and I'm not going to even look at it, even if someone goes to the bathroom and I'm at the table by myself because everybody else does it. So this is where we have to really understand that just because everyone else is doing it, it doesn't mean that it's the smartest thing to be doing. And if we look at mental wellness, We can see that the tide is showing us the results of this are not good. So if you don't want to end up with stress, anxiety, or depression, you have to do things differently. You don't have an option. If you want to end up with stress, anxiety, and depression, it's okay. Keep going. Keep doing what you're doing because I can pretty much guarantee you're more than likely to get there.
0: Well, I hope none of my listeners want to sign up for that journey because when you think about those things, the long-term well-being impact that it has, it could cause you to have stroke, heart attack, high blood pressure, you know, all of these things, right? Not to mention the the mental part of it, whether it's depression, as you mentioned, or even thoughts of suicide um, is not healthy for any of us. So Monique, this has been great. I've loved our time together. I would encourage you to share with everyone how can they find out more about you and the work that you're doing and, and potentially even reaching out to you directly. Do you have a website, social media sites where they can follow you?
1: Thank you. Um, yeah, look, just come to Com. That's the best place. You know, get in there, have a look around. You might want to try one of my courses. you might just want to have a listen to my podcast. There's a happiness quiz there as well that you can do a quick quiz to see what your happiness levels are like and yeah, just come and, and check it out and start engaging you know in my courses, I do things a little bit differently from other people I have a st- series of online courses that I'm super engaged in. So if you come into them, uh, you get to self-direct how quickly you learn the material. But I'm always in there every day, answering questions, talking to people. I'm more I'm more hands-on because. I like to help people as much as I possibly can, and I, I like to see people get the results. So we have a happiness course in there as well called the Happiness Baseline. We do it a little bit differently, Tana, from other courses, and that is is that I don't charge people a fee to do it. I actually charge them an accountability bond. Wow. This course is so good. I kid you not. We, we put people through um, the highest, the best regarded happiness test at the beginning, the same one they use at the Yale University course. And at the end, I have a 100% success rate in shifting people's happiness levels. 100% for every single person who's completed the course. Now, how do I get you to complete the course? Because that's all I want you to do. All I want is for you to have the results. I get you to put down an accountability bond. So you don't actually pay a fee. You put the bond down. The course is eight weeks long. As long as you finish the course within 10 weeks, I'll give you two weeks because I understand things get in the way. As long as you finish it, you then send us an email and say, I want my bond back. If you've done the work, which isn't hard, it's only about 15 minutes a day. You get your bond back and this is how I'm getting people to finish line. We have a, I think it's like about a 93% completion rate on the course. And to say that we have phenomenal results with it is an understatement. Like people just rave about it. So that's where I think the proof is in the pudding. Come and do this course, try it out. See if you like it because then you'll be happier. Who doesn't want to be happier?
0: I know I do. And I saw that happiness <laughs> quiz and I was worried. I was like, should I take this? I don't know if I want to learn where I'm not happy. <laughs> now I'm, I'm more even more encouraged to go take it after talking to you. Um so Monique, thank you again so much for joining me here on Stop Being the Best Kept Secret podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure uh to learn more about you and the work that you do and and, you, and your why, right? Your North Star. Um so everyone. Again, Monique Rose, be sure to go to her website, learn more about her, maybe even sign up for that course and take your quiz as well uh, and find out what your happiness uh, marker is and and where can you uh, focus your energy to improve. I know we all have areas that we can improve. Uh, So Monique, thank you again for joining me. It's been a pleasure.
1: So wonderful to, to meet you, Dr. Tainer, and I love the work you're doing, and I just say we need more and more people like you doing this kind of work, so thank you.
0: Thank you. I'll say the same for you as well. Everyone needs to learn how to be happier.